0: Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me this week on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. I want to start off again this week by thanking all of you, my wonderful guests and the judges over at the Academy for Visual and Interactive Arts and the W3 Awards for awarding this show gold for best sports podcast episodes and specials. All of you make the show what it is. The awards are a reflection of what you bring to the show and bring to me each and every week. Your support is just outstanding. I couldn't be more grateful to all of you for this wonderful award. All right, on to this week's show. We had such an overwhelmingly positive response to Girls' Night Out a few weeks ago. I thought, you know what, let's do it again. So tonight is Girls' Night Out 2, and I've got four fantastic ladies that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. First up is going to be one of my favorite guests and just a wonderful person, and that is Susie Whaley. Susie was the first female president of the PGA of America. She is a PGA master professional and now the president of Golf Nation, a great new golf platform. We'll talk about the great things that she's got going on over there. They're wonderful shows. Plus, I'll also get her insights on the Solheim Cup and Ryder Cup, plus a whole lot more when she joins me here in just a few minutes. Following her, I'm going to get a return visit from another one of my favorite people on the planet, and that is Brenda Kalkavecchia. She and Mark are just outstanding people. They've become such wonderful friends on the show. I really enjoy getting to spend time with both of them. Mark was just on, as you guys know, just a couple of weeks ago. Tonight, I'm going to talk to Brenda about what it's been like to be both a wife and a caddy out on the Champions Tour. We'll hear what it was like for her going from golf fan to player's wife to caddy, because you just don't decide one day to pick up a 50-pound staff bag and carry it for seven-ish miles a day up and down hills five to six days a week. How did she do it? We'll find out that and a whole lot more when she joins me about 25 minutes from now. The third great lady joining me tonight is going to be Megan Yankman. Megan is the director of instruction out at Bethpage State Park in New York. It's been the site of so many great tournaments, as you guys all know, and it's going to be the venue for the 2025 Ryder Cup. We'll talk about their preparations, which I've already begun for that event. Why she thinks the European team is so much better than the U.S. in both the Solheim and Ryder Cup. She was also just named Junior Golf Leader of the Year. And by the time this conversation is over, you're fully going to understand why. Because she's a great junior teacher and is so positive and such a wonderful instructor. That was richly deserved. So looking forward to having Megan back as part of the show. She'll join me about 45 minutes from now. And then we'll round things out on Girls Night Out 2 with Gianna Rojas. Gianna has a great adaptive golf program. If you or someone you know has physical or emotional challenges and would like to learn or relearn how to play the game of golf, go online to adaptivegolfers.org and check out what Gianna has going on. She was born without a left hand, but that never stopped her. I can't wait to hear about all the great things she's got going on. She's bringing so much positivity to our game. Like I say, she'll join me about an hour from now. So we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight, folks, and as always I can't thank you enough for tuning in and taking the journey with me again tonight. You know, folks, with the show now being available on Triblive.com and with all my Yinzer friends up there in the Pittsburgh area, you get to start to meet some wonderful individuals in and around the city. And I did just that with Caroline Cease and the folks at Enchanted Destinations. If you're ready to start planning your dream vacation, be sure to check out Carolyn and the folks there at Enchanted Destinations, if you're planning to go to Disney World or Universal Studios, take a cruise or vacation at an all-inclusive resort, go to EnchantedDestinations.net and Carolyn and her folks are going to help you out and plan the perfect getaway. They're great people doing great things and they are a wonderful help for anybody that's looking to book the perfect vacation. And thinking of the perfect golf getaway and buddy's trip location, remember our folks over at the Macklemore, which is a wonderful resort located just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, high atop Lookout Mountain. It is a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the U.S. by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction and will open summer of 2024. And the Outpost is another wonderful Bill Bergen and Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled up with a golf hole. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic McLemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You got to see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at McLemore. Go online to Macklemore.com to book your stay and play package. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hands shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is one of my all-time favorite guests and people on the planet for that matter, and that is Susie Whaley. Let me remind you about Susie's background. She grew up in Syracuse, New York, played her college golf at the University of North Carolina, where she led her all four years. She helped them win several team titles, including two Duke Spring Invitational. She graduated with her degree in economics. She played on the LPGA Tour for a few years in the early 90s. In 2003, she became the first woman to qualify to play in a PGA Tour event since Babe Dedrick Saharius did it back in 1945. She qualified by winning the Connecticut PGA Championship. She won just about every tournament there is to win in the state of Connecticut, including the Women's Open three times. She competed in the USGA Senior Women's Open and the Senior PGA Championship. She is annually recognized as one of Golf Magazine's Top 100 instructors, as well as a Top 50 instructor by Golf Digest and the LPGA. She is a PGA Master Professional. She was recently the first female president of the PGA of America. In the summer of 2022, she was inducted into the Connecticut Golf Hall of Fame. She does an outstanding job now in the broadcast booth. She is also the president of Golf Nation, which is an exciting new golf platform. And I couldn't be more honored that I get to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Susie, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I always love coming on your show.
0: Susie, let's start with all the exciting things you've got going on over there at Golf Nation. Update us on what's happening there.
1: Yeah, Golf Nation is a golf entertainment lifestyle OTT, meaning all it is is streaming television. Uh, And we are really excited. We just launched on Vizio televisions on their home screen. We have content for everybody to consume. And what makes us different is we are shoppable content. So very, very cool platform that I hope everybody checks out. Uh, we just got approved for iOS. We are on Android. You can see us uh at golfnation.com and on I your Tizio television.
0: I got the privilege of having Gabby Powell and, and Hannah Lerner on the show a few weeks ago. They're so much fun to to spend some time with. And I enjoyed their show, Three Courses. One of their episodes was filmed right here in Atlanta. We're we gonna be getting a second season of those two.
1: Oh, I sure hope so. We did that alongside of Travel and Leisure uh, and the Wyndham Resorts, uh, which are really cool destinations uh, to go visit, to play golf, to have food and beverage. And they've been amazing partners for us. And Hannah and Gabby are our hosts for that show. They did a fantastic job. And I hope everybody checks it out.
0: How about your show? Do I Know You? It was great getting to watch you with Zach Johnson and his wife, Kim, in a sort of newlywed game-like setting. Are we going to get more of that?
1: Yeah, I look to have a bunch more of that in 2024. We kind of did a spoof off the newlywed game, and uh, we really had a good time with that. And as Zach was approaching the Ryder Cup, we thought that would be fun for people to get an inside access uh, with Kim. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Susie, switching gears, Lexi Thompson is going to tee it up with the guys on the PGA Tour this week at the Shriners Children's Open. You know a thing or two about competing against the guys on the PGA Tour. You did it at the Greater Hartford Open in 2003. By qualifying, you did so by winning the Connecticut PGA Championship. Lexi's going to be there on a sponsor's exemption. But very exciting to see her get to compete out on the PGA Tour. What are your thoughts on Lexi playing this week?
1: It's funny because I, when, when they announced it a couple of days ago, I was, I was up scrolling through my news feeds and the paper and it popped up and I immediately sent it to my family, my husband and my daughters. I said, how cool is this? Uh, so I of course was, I'm a huge advocate. I'm cheering her on. Um, I know it's going to be a stressful week for her, but she's prepared. Um, I know how hard she works on her game and her physicality for her game. Um, and I'm excited to see how she does. And I was even more excited uh, about the world paying attention to women's golf. Um, I, you know, I say this often, Chris, but you know, you do a tremendous job of covering women's golf, but having really watched the Solheim cup, get very little coverage in the grand scheme of things. um, I was excited at least that people were focused on women's golf. I look forward to the day that women don't have to play against men to get that kind of attention within the media. Uh, But I was thrilled uh, that people are talking about it.
0: If she reached out to you, what would you tell her? What kind of advice would you give her for what to expect and how to deal with everything that she's going to be confronted with on and off the golf course?
1: Well, you know, I th- I think I would first say to her first. First of all, I can't speak for Lexi, but I, I would say to her first and foremost, you know, remember what your objective is for playing, and keep that forefront of mind. And and that's what I tried to do. My purpose for playing was to show my daughters, who were eight and six at the time, uh, that when you take when you get an opportunity, no matter if it's out of your comfort zone, you need to be brave. You need to take that on, uh, no matter the outcome. But you need to be incredibly prepared to do so. And then I earned that. Bought through a PG of America event. And, and the mission of the PG of America is to grow the game. And I felt if I could share with the world that I was brave enough to step out on that golf course, I would hope that women everywhere would be brave enough to step on their local golf course if they had never done it before, if it was outside of their comfort zone. And I think that really helped me navigate the tremendous amount of stress uh, that I dealt with playing against the best male golfers in the world, having a full time job as head golf professional, and a family. Uh, and two daughters. For for Lexi, she certainly, I'm sure, has very different reasons than I had for saying yes. And I know one of them is the children uh, that she wants to support. Um, but also, I'm sure she wants to, I also wanted to play great golf, but I'm sure she wants to really be competitive in that event. And um, I would just tell her to stick to that and and to keep coming back to that, be in her, be in her present mode, meaning don't get out ahead of yourself. And uh, golf is golf. You know, the golf ball doesn't know where you are or who you're playing against or who's watching you. While that's really easy to say, it's really hard to do. Um, But if you can keep that in mind and remember that, I I think she'll perform uh, to the best of her absolute ability. And I I can't wait to support her either way.
0: Susie, this has been, in my opinion, an exciting season for the LPGA Tour, particularly around the venues that the women have got to play the majors at this show, like Baltus Row and Pebble Beach. How big has that been for the growth of the game on the women's side?
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. And, and I'm happy to have, uh, as a PGA of America member, a small part in that as we built out the KPMG Women's PGA Championship alongside of KPMG and the LPGA. One of the goals and objectives of that was to play golf courses that were inherently only traditionally male championship golf courses and thrilled that that we're seeing that run through the gamut now with more majors inclusive of the USGA and to see them at Pebble Beach this year was spectacular to see them have shot length thanks to the USGA was something that you know I herald and hope will continue to happen for more tour events uh, because it just makes it so much more exciting for the fans to be able to watch and and relate to the game uh, so, you know, I, I couldn't be more thrilled about the venues that they're playing uh, and the amount of high level events that they have now to play in. And I just look forward to the to time where corporate America continues to step up and support them.
0: Can we look forward to the LPGA Tour playing out on more of these historic golf courses in the future?
1: You know, I would I would hope so, uh, because the level of play is tremendous on the LPGA Tour. But I I think as we move forward, what I would like to see even more so is I would just like to see the viewership up. I would like to see the opportunity for media coverage up. I would like to see the amount of cameras provided up. I would like to see them um, really be in the marketplace in a space where they were continuing to work toward getting to higher levels uh, amongst consumers' eyeballs, right? I, I want more people who want to tune into the LPGA. There's plenty that currently do, but we have to be able to find them. We have to be able to see them. We have to see them in real time and not at 2am in the morning on a rerun. So my hope is while they continue to grow and play at better golf courses, my hope is that we as a fan base and a consumer base, turn them on and continue to watch them.
0: Susie, the Solheim Cup is going to be played again next year because they want to get it back on even-numbered years. Kind of got off kilter there with COVID a couple of years ago. The U.S. team didn't quite get the job done a couple of weeks ago to win the Cup. Things ended in a 14-14 tie, so Europe got to retain the Cup. I know the Solheim Cup, like the Ryder Cup, started out as an exhibition, but it feels like it's gone beyond that now. Do we need a tiebreaker in these sort of matches Shouldn't there always be a winner in these sort of competitions? Well,
1: it's so funny because I think I'm the dissenter on this. You know, I, I, I read and talked so much about this, but I don't believe it is a tie. Like everybody keeps saying it was a tie because of the points. But going into that event, you clearly know as a team member that to win the cup back is 14 and a half points. So I, I, I don't think it was a tie. I think it was a loss because they didn't get the cup back. I, I think it's very clearly stated how you earn the cup. So I, I think I'm probably one of very few that feel that way. I'm not interested in a playoff of, of of people going out. I'm not interested in in any of that. I'm interested in getting 14 and a half points the next time. So we bring the cup home.
0: <laughs> okay. Europe has now won four of the last six of these things. And on the men's side, the European team has won eight of the last 11 Ryder Cups. Why is Europe so much better at this than we are?
1: <laughs> well, okay. First of all, we have to talk about the fact that the women played amazing golf, right? They just, Europeans played a little bit better to keep that cup and that's all they needed to do. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to say, look, there's always going to be a winner and there's always going to be a loser when there's two teams playing against each other. Um, there's tons of, of ideas or surrounding. Oh, you know, the Americans don't have the heart that the Europeans have. I mean, that's just if you're a player, that's just not true. I, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to that week, it comes down to course conditions, it comes down to layout, it comes down to what your team is more familiar with and how your team connects amongst each other. Um, but I'm here to tell you that if you're playing for your country and that flag goes up or you're playing for Team Europe, you you want to be there and you wanna be participatory in that. So for us to do better, we have to play foursomes better. Bottom line, we have got to do more alternate shot events of some sort as junior golfers so that we understand the concept as we run up to the Junior Ryder Cup, the Junior President's Cup. Um, but during the AJGA events, I think it's a matter of training. I, I think we have PGA Junior League now. And we part of the reason that we were so excited to PGA of America about PGA Junior League is to really instill match play. Amongst junior golfers as they would head off to college. And we saw the Stevens Cup, but you know, you've got the Walker Cup and you've got the Curtis Cup, but that's it for junior golf. There are some AJGA events now. There are match play competitions, which is exciting. And the USGA, obviously, junior is a match play competition. Um, but in Europe, they play it continually all growing up. They play foursomes at their local courses. It's It's a, it's a fun way to play the game in Europe. It's very quick. Um, and it's very popular. We just don't do that here. And I think we should. And I do think it would make a difference, uh, as they go through their journey in golf are more familiar with it. And it's not just this one time of year other than the Zurich championship on the PGA tour. So there is another time. So people don't call in and tell you that I don't know that <laughs> I actually covered, <laughs> I actually covered that, but like one or two times a year, in my opinion, um, You know, that makes it difficult if you haven't done it from when you're a kid. It's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable format. And I think that's typically where we lose. If we lose, that's typically where we lose.
0: So let's take that a step further. Can you see an event like that or multiple events like that getting sprinkled into the PGA and LPGA tours or even like this time of year? I know when I was growing up, you know, 80s and 90s, this time of year was what we used to call silly season. I mean, we used to have the senior skins game, the regular skins game. We had the shark shootout. We had the three tour challenge once upon a time. This seems like now that we're going to kind of get away from the wraparound schedule, maybe this is an opportunity for more events like that. Could you see us kind of figuring that out? Like, look, we need more of these if we're going to get good at it. So maybe this is the time of year for those events.
1: I mean, it could be. I if you look at the stats, right, you look at the analytics, you look at the data and and, you know, they're both sides in Solheim and the Ryder Cup have statisticians and analysts that are helping determine who should play with whom, uh, what should happen in which particular event, how people have played in the past uh, in the mornings versus the afternoons. I mean, every little piece of this puzzle is being looked at and nothing is being overlooked. So when you think about the analytics, and you think about the data that we have now at our disposal because of things like Shotland, For the men's tour, for example. So you can't say that, oh, well, that person shouldn't have played with that person on paper because that's been considered and that's been thought about. Now things happen. People get sick. You have to make a change. Um, you know, somebody's not playing well uh, and asked you not to do, uh, not to be a part of that. I'm not saying any of that occurred, but, but things happen. But at the same time, if we have all these analytics and we know this data and we have the top players in the world, I would say, then, what what really is the issue here? Uh, Could it be green speed? Of course. Could it be types of grass? Of course. Layout? Yes. But at the same time, what, what else is left? And I would say what else is left is an uncomfortableness in the format. And that's just my personal opinion. So if we had an opportunity and if people would play in it, like Patrick and Xander do at the Zurich, you find oftentimes that those people that do are the ones that perform well in that format during these competitions. So my answer would be yes. Would people choose to play in it? I don't know. Uh, But as we move forward, if that's not the case in the tours, I would say, okay, well, let's do something at the collegiate level. Let's do something at the amateur level. And let's do something at the junior level to where this isn't an uncomfortable format once you get there.
0: You mentioned playing for your country, and there have been rumors now about a couple of the U.S. guys raising issues about not being paid paid to play in the events. Now, they do get $200,000 each to give to the charity of their choice. Money goes into the pension fund for all the guys who qualify to play out on the PGA Tour. They get the opportunity to wear the red, white, and blue. And it's not like they're paying for their flights or their hotel rooms or food or any of the expenses for they or their wives or the caddies. Can you envision an NIL deal? Does that need to happen for the Ryder Cup? Yeah, for the Ryder or the Solheim Cup. No. <laughs> All righty then.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't think that needs to happen. I mean, that's like asking. Okay, so you're going to play in the Olympics, you're going to get paid. I, I mean, I, I. But you got to remember where I sit, right? I've been in governance for the PGA of America, so you know, I look. I I believe wholeheartedly that. The Ryder Cup also elevates a player's brand in the marketplace dramatically. Um, I understand as a player that you have the right to have your opinion of of what you should be paid for what you're doing in the moment in time that you're doing it. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that's not okay. That That's up to that player. But I also think this is an opportunity. And like all opportunities, there's there's also the opportunity to play or not play there is also the opportunity to say well you know i'm not interested in that so in my opinion i think it's an honor um to play for your country but that's my personal opinion and i do believe that the pga of america is an incredible partner in that alongside the pga tour for the ryder cup um and i and i don't i don't believe it really needs to be justified
0: Like I mentioned, we've got another new event coming up here in December, the Grant Thornton Mixed Team event, something I'm excited to see back out on the schedule. What do you think about that event?
1: No, I couldn't be more excited. You know, hats off to Grant Thornton uh, for establishing this event. I I look back to when JCPenney had a mixed team event, and it was incredibly popular. Um, So exciting. I can't wait to tune in. The, The teams that are playing are are popular teams and and fan-friendly names that people will know. And I think it's going to be great fun to watch.
0: Susie, you are one of the very few PGA Master Professionals, and that designation doesn't come along easily. They don't hand those things out to just anybody. Talk about what you had to go through in order to become a Master professional.
1: Over we're 29,000 uh, members of the PGA of America, and we have multiple levels of certification and education. And I think what's really neat about the PGA of America is whether you have a college degree or an MBA or a law degree and you're still a PGA professional, you're still having to go through an education process to earn uh, your Class A status. And that's 800 hours of education uh, to get your Class A status. Once you become a Class A professional... Um, you can uh, then from there become a certified professional over a period of time, a specialized professional, excuse me, and then a certified professional. And then once you've been in the association as a Class A member for over 10 years, you have the opportunity to become a master professional. And there's multiple ways to go about doing that. Um, I put together uh, a capstone project for that based on my business, Susie Willie Golf at the time. And you end up presenting that. You have to uh, do that in front of a group of educators and peers uh, that assess that. You have to present it in person. Uh, and then they have to approve you for your master professional status. Uh, that's how I went through it. And, you know, I, I was when I was in governance for the PG of America, um, I felt it was hypocritical, at least for me, to be talking nonstop about how important. Uh, your learning journey was as a PGA professional, how important it was for you to make sure that you were up to date and that you were learning as best you could in the field you chose within the PGA of America. And if you had the opportunity to continue to learn, then you should. And I knew that I hadn't, when I became secretary of the PGA of America, I hadn't yet achieved master professional status, but I was talking about it at podiums. And so it was very important to me to accomplish that during my tenure. So I could do it from a seat of somebody who had actually gone through it and done it. And I'm proud to say that that's what I did.
0: Susie, I'm partnering with the legends of the LPGA tour to help promote the events on that tour and the great legends that we have on the LPGA side out there playing. You've played in some of the events on that tour. And I think it's the most accessible field of great players on any tour for people who aren't aware of the events and the field of, players that we get out there on the Legends Tour. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, I just had the opportunity to play in the BJ's Charity Championship, a really fun event where I played on a team with Michelle McGann against multiple other teams. Jane Blaylock actually won the event, crazy, 78 years old, won the event. Um, So, you know, there's unbelievable names that play on the Legends Tour. Uh, you know, from Joanne Carner to Julie Inkster, uh, you know, Angela Stan- n- name the player. Pat Hurst is out there. As I mentioned, Michelle McGann, uh, Michelle Redman. Uh, I I could go on and on, and I hate to miss people that were at the BJ's championship. But, you know, Kathy Harbin, who's a member now of the PGA of America Board of Directors, is is helping the Legends Tour. Jane Blaylock, of course, has just been a stalwart for the Legends Tour. And, you know, they've built this cool opportunity for women in the game to have an opportunity to not only get together and network, but to still be able to entertain clients and corporations uh, through their incredible play. And I tell you what, I got my tail kicked, but you know, <laughs> the level of play is still really strong. And, um, you know it's exciting uh, what they've done and what they continue to do. They have an event at French, it's like they have an they have events uh, at multiple venues across the country, and obviously continue to look for support in the marketplace. But the fans that come out, you know, it's like a it's like a reunion for those of us that played in the '90s. Pat Bradley's still playing, and um, it's just you know if you were familiar with that era on the lpga tour it's something that you should seek out uh and just try to try to get to an event i I think you would be stunned jan stevenson is out on that tour playing and um it's just it's really just a, a a fun fun event but also highly competitive
0: jane is a wonderful friend of the show she was on right before the bjs and i couldn't have been more excited when she and her partner won that event. so that Oh
1: was- my goodness, exactly. And they just played, they, she played with Patricia Munir, I'm going to say her name wrong, but Munir LeBlanc, I, you probably do it better than I do, Chris. Um, but they just played out of their minds and they were right in front of us. And Michelle and I, we just hear these roars every single hole. And Michelle and I would look at each other like, okay, we got to pull this together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are we going to see you playing some more of those events next year?
1: Yeah, I would love to. I'm going to play in one, I think, in June uh, and maybe a couple others. Uh, My status is limited on that tour because there's way too many really good players uh, from the LPGA tour in front of me, but I will play in probably two or three.
0: Susie, just a couple more before I let you go. I got to get an update. How are your girls doing?
1: Uh, My girls are great. Um, My oldest has actually gone to work in the golf industry. She's working for Callaway and Top Golf out in Carlsbad, California. So, We are now officially the nerdiest golf family on the planet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Susie, for our listeners that want to stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, how can they do so, whether it's on Golf Nation or it's on social media?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Head over to golfnation.com on social media. Just find me under my name. I'm on LinkedIn at Susie Whaley, Instagram at Susie Whaley, and Twitter at Susie Whaley. It's pretty easy to find me.
0: Susie, always a huge thrill to get to spend some time with you and have you as part of the show. I hope we give that uh, get that privilege again with you real soon.
1: No, I really always enjoy it, Chris. Thanks for all you do for golf.
0: Take care, Susie. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. You bet. See you, Susie. That is the great Susie Whaley, folks. And just a finer individual you will not meet. She's one of the great people that you get to meet in the golf industry. She's out there doing great things. I've admired her career and the things that she has accomplished so far doing great things now over at Golf Nation, and what a great platform that is. I certainly hope I certainly hope we get more editions of her show. Looking forward to a season two of three courses with Gabby and Hannah. Our game is in a better place because of Susie, and I look forward to catching up with her at the PGA Merchandise Show, and of course having her back on the show again real soon. Coming up next is going to be Brenda Kalkovecchio, Mark's wife and better half. Before I get to Brenda, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say
3: An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58.
0: There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy when you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited-time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection. Sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms, made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50 plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part, you can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com. And use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Now back in next on the tee with me is Brenda Kalkavecchia. She and Mark have become wonderful friends of the show, and I appreciate both of them so very much. Mark also refers to Brenda as his funnier, more entertaining, and better half. You can follow Brenda on social media at Brenda Kalk. Along with being Mark's wife and caddy, she is also a realtor who specializes in helping people find private country clubs and housing in Jupiter in Palm Beach, Florida. She also recently got her license up in North Carolina as well. She attended The Ohio State University and graduated from Franklin University, and I'm excited I get to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Brenda, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, no problem, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you and Mark? Um,
3: Well, actually, I am in uh, Columbus, Ohio right now, and he is in North Carolina playing at the uh, SAS tournament. Oh. This
0: week. So no caddy for him this week?
3: Well, he has a caddy, but it's not me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually visiting family and uh, helping my mother out this week. Um, so, yeah, he's he's got someone else on the bag.
0: Brenda, before we get into all the golf talk, I know your Buckeyes are 5-0, and o, ranked third, just behind your good friends up north in Michigan. Ohio state came within an eyelash of beating Georgia last year, probably would have gone on to win the national championship. Is this the year for Ohio state?
3: You know, I I was a little nervous watching that Notre Dame game, uh, but that, that turned out good. Um, last week we have a great second half team. Um, we've, we've got to come out a little stronger in the beginning, in the first half, but, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of good teams out there. I mean, we don't say that name that you just said. We call it the team up north. Um, <laughs> so the team up north, I, I hate to say it, uh, they look pretty good too. So we'll we'll see. We got that big game uh, usually Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we'll we'll see how that goes.
0: Brenda, I want to get inside the ropes with you to learn about what life is like being both Mark's wife and at least part time caddy for. Those who weren't with us the last time you were part of the show, you met Mark at the 2001 Memorial Tournament. You guys start dating shortly thereafter, and you go from being a golf fan to being inside the ropes that quickly. What was that sudden change like for you?
3: Um, Well, you know, I spectated for a few years, and, um, you know, he had a... He was one of those guys that switched caddies quite a bit. He never really had one that was, you know, true week in and week out. Um, He and if you know the story about Eric Larson, he um, had gone to prison and Mark had promised him when he got out that he would be his full time caddy um, when he got out of prison. And uh I was caddying up until then. And then when Eric Larson got out, um, true to his word, he he kept that. And uh Eric pattied for him for a few years and then moved on to uh, Anthony Kim after that. But um it it all came, I think we were, I'm gonna say we were in Mexico. I could be wrong, but um he did not have a caddy. And he was like, Why don't why don't you just caddy? You're gonna be there. And I said, sure. You know, I played golf. I, you know, I played golf well before I met him. And, um, picked up the bag and I think maybe we might have had the light bag that week. I can't remember because it was in Mexico and I remember it was kind of hilly. So anyway, yeah, it just started there. So I I think I was like originally the international caddy when he needed someone that couldn't travel. Um, and then it just became, you know, I'm out there anyway. It gets, I don't, I don't want to say it gets boring spectating, but, um, Let's just say it's it's a little more exciting inside the ropes,
0: no doubt. But picking up the bag and all of a sudden starting to be his caddy—it's not like you just put the bib on one day, grab a fifty-pound staff bag, and start lugging it—you know, five, six, seven, eight miles a day up and down hills. That's got to be something you have to prepare for over time. Yeah, that's that's a lot of walking and with a heavy bag. How did you get yourself prepared to be able to handle? You know, doing that many miles, carrying that bag five to six days a week.
3: Uh, you know, Chris, it, it wasn't easy. Um, I I can remember sometimes my shoulder was raw. I mean, I and I don't really complain much, but I remember my shoulder. Be you know, we had to go out to dinner, and I had something strapless on, and it looked looked awful. Um, same with our wedding. I mean. I think I had to put makeup on my shoulder, maybe because we got married at the uh, Italian Open in Milan and I was caddying the day we got married. So, um, we, we finished real quick and drove up to Lake Como. Um, and I, I swear, I think I had like some red still on my shoulder from the bag that day. Wow. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's a lot. I mean, I think the double strap was just coming out. So, you know, they didn't have the double strap back in the day. So I think we just got that thing that you, you, it was called the loop, I believe. And you would attach it to the big, uh, the staff bag, you would attach it to the big, big strap, and then you could put it around your shoulder. So that, that helped. Um, I mean, I can remember times just basically almost crying, um, not on the course. Cause there's no crying. There's no crying in golf. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I could think of in, in horrible weather. We played up in, uh, we played in Korea. Jiu-Jitsu Jiu- Island. And it was Thanksgiving and it was miserable. Not only is it hilly, like that's on the side of a mountain, but it was maybe 50 degrees. It was snowing, raining sideways. It hurt. Um, I mean, I remember getting done and getting in a hot bath and crying (laughs) wow so yeah it's uh but but you know what it kept me in shape and and um it was just good it worked for us it doesn't work for everybody you know you know you're going to be with your spouse twenty four seven, travel and then be you know the the six hours or the five hours they're out on the course you know you either you got to get along
0: were you treated differently than other caddies were because you were Mark's wife? Well, okay. So, so
3: back, in, and I don't want to keep saying back in the day, but this was almost 20 years ago. Caddies didn't have like the, the nice, and, and we, we still have a long way to go, but we are getting, and I say that as a caddy, treated better, better food service, better, you know, shelter when there's a storm. Um, you know, it's not back in the day, it was like, we'd be lucky to get some sandwiches and stuff. So I was lucky. I could go into the clubhouse because I had the badge that had wife on it. Um, so I can go in and eat the nice, you know, if we're, we're at Mirfield, you know, we get the, the lobster and the, the, the rice pudding or what tapioca pudding and the, and the milkshakes. So, I mean, I was lucky because I didn't realize, you know, when when you're starving and you want something to eat and there's not much to eat out there, you're stuck with what they have, bag of potato chips or something. So I, I did. I was lucky on that part. But they're changing it, and I know they're really working hard on taking better care of the caddies.
0: So we, from your perspective as a caddy, where were you guys treated the best when you're playing out on the PGA Tour? I'm, I'm guessing... Not every place, like you said, was great. Were there a few great stops along the way as a caddy?
3: Well, I mean, again, I I used my I I pulled my my wife badge out most of the time. I mean, yeah, um, there were ones better than others. I'll tell you what. This week, you know, now that we're you know on the Champions Tour, we have really made uh, they've made it a great event um sass for the caddies they take great care of the caddies there um this week and i was sad that i missed it but i had started about four years ago right after we did the um um covid when we raised all that money for um the caddies who weren't being paid during covid so we started the uh annual caddy tournament at sas and um Larry Connor's there. He is he's a wonderful um guy. He's done great with that tournament there. Um Tony works there. They put on, we do such a nice event there for the caddies. We play nine holes. It's a team event. Um we kind of try and put together an ABCD player, but you know, there's some really good players um that caddy. So we do a nine hole. We get all the pros to chip in. Um, I think this year, and I wasn't there, but Mark helped collect the money from the pros. They raised $4,000 for prize money. Wow. So first place, yeah, first place. Um, this just happened today. Today was it. They, The first place team got $2,000. So, I mean, that's super cool. The, the caddies look forward to that. We we love that. Um, and I love being able to be part of that as well as, you know, getting the other players involved because cause Mark is real into it. He, you know, he busts them up. He's like, yeah, come on, chip in.
0: You guys travel to tournaments many times now in an RV. When did you guys decide to kind of forego the plane tickets and that sort of thing and, and go RVing?
3: I think it was maybe the last 2 years when we were on the regular tour. I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. I, I I bet we've had like 3 or 4 different buses. Wow, all really? with, all with some really funny stories, but um yeah, it, it just made sense instead of flying around, we you know, we have our dogs. We hated putting them in daycare. And, I always hated flying. I'm a germaphobe. I had to have my own sheets. So traveling with sheets, shipping sheets to the next event, it it just got old. So the bus, it's not for everybody, but the bus is great. I mean, it just, it worked for us.
0: I know other players have also gone the RV route. When you're going from tournament to tournament, do you caravan or get together with other players to meet (laughs) up in a, certain area, an RV park or that sort of thing. So you've got some familiarity when you guys pull in?
3: Yeah, each each week is different. I mean, if there's we we don't mind going, we kind of like like KOAs. If there's a place and we get a full hookup, um, you know, where we have water, um, sewer, electric. uh, Yeah, we get really excited with those kind of setups. Now, a lot of Places when we play and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes the tournament will bring in like a generator and we can hook up to that. And then we're with kind of everybody there. So, um, you know, we've got John Daly, um, Petrovic, um, Alex Chayka and his wife. Um, I don't think who else. There's probably three or four of us that are pretty much out there every week. Um, and those are fun, you know, we'll get out and we'll grill out and we'll all kind of hang out together some nights.
0: I saw a picture you posted on social media from a few years ago of you guys playing around the golf with Alice Cooper. What's it like spending time with Alice Cooper?
3: (laughs) Again, that's actually funny. That was here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, my sister is a huge Alice Cooper fan. And we were going to the concert that night and uh, one of my friends here hooked us up and Mark knew him, you know, back in Phoenix days. So Mark's known him and we hooked up and we all played with the band um here locally in Columbus. And then we went and watched uh, his concert. It, it, what a fantastic, first of all, he's a great golfer, but what a fun guy and, and group of people that was. Um And then the concert, I mean, if you've never seen a, a Alice Cooper concert, you're missing out because it's a, it's a theatrical thing. It was awesome.
0: Earlier this summer, you and Mark went on an eventful cruise. Mark ended up having kidney stones during during the course of the cruise, which I'm guessing put a pretty big damper on things. But you got to go to one of my favorite places on the planet, and that's Bar Harbor, Maine. What did you think uh, of Bar Harbor?
3: Oh, my gosh. Love. We actually have decided we are going to take the bus up there and spend some time to go through the national park. We didn't have enough time. You know, you're only there for a few hours in port. Um, the best food I am, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told you this before. I'm celiac, so I'm totally gluten free. And we found the most amazing restaurants. I actually was able to order, um, fish and chips, a traditional fish and chips with, um, fried cod and i've not been able to have that since i had celiac so um they they the food there was unbelievable i was so happy there and it's just gorgeous we really want to spend more time there
0: speaking of adventures you have a home in jupiter florida another one up in highlands north carolina and you've captured some interesting critters walking (laughs) around your place there in north carolina talk about what you regularly see
3: Well, we have cameras. So even when I'm not there, it notifies me if there's some something in my yard. And um, yeah, we get some nice big bears. Um, The crazy thing is like when I'm there, like I had my windows and my doors open one night and then I checked the camera and that giant bear was literally like a foot from my door. Oh, my. And it's. We we walk our dogs around the top of the mountain. We live on the top of a mountain and we walk them around. And so just this past time we were there, Mark went around the top with me and I said, I'm going to take the little one, Lucy. I said, I'm going to go down and walk down to the bottom. And I start walking down and I see a bear crossing the road. I'm like, oops. So we turned around and came back really quick. He said, that was fast. I said, I just saw a giant bear i wasn't going I wasn't going to test it i I went straight back up the hill and back up to our house um yeah it's, I mean it's a little scary, but it's kind of cool. They're in mm-hmm. our yard kind of a lot they we have workers there, mm-hmm. and they go into the car they know how to open a car door. They go into the car and steal their lunch <laughs> really I, I I kid you not this guy went down and he bought two um things of fried chicken or some chicken sandwich went in the backyard. He was working on our deck, came back, both of the sandwiches were gone and there was stuff on the ground. And I'm like, have you not learned? They, Oh, they know how to open a car door. Oh my. And they can smell like, I don't even know what it is. Thousand times better than a dog.
0: So when you're going to take the dogs out just in the normal course of a day, you got whether you're walking them or they just need to get out. Do you have to sweep the property? Do you have to check the cameras? How do you not end up like face to face with a bear?
3: Um, You know, I've got great neighbors. We all text each other if it's in our yard or, you know, whenever we see one, we're like, hey, there's one coming over. Um, We also normally, I don't say all the time, but we try and go out. We've got an air horn and we've got bear spray, which is a last resort that you would spray. Um. But the air horn usually works, and it's funny because you'll hear on the mountain an air horn, and we're like, "Oh, someone saw a bear."
0: Brenda, just a couple more before I let you go, and uh, you know, as you know, I had Mark on the show a, a couple of weeks ago. You guys, uh, how many uh, tournaments do you think Mark and you you are going to go out and play this coming year on the Champions Tour?
3: Um, well, this is his last one this year. Uh, we're done this year. Next year, um you know i think he wants to to start you know he's had so many setbacks with his knee surgeries this year back surgery the previous year um he's promising me so if i say it he's got to do it to get in better shape um start eating better and we're going to get in shape and hopefully he'll play anywhere from 10 to 20 next year i i don't really know now as you mentioned I'm selling real estate so um now's my busy time in Florida so I'll be I'll be pretty busy and I hope so I'll be busy till maybe April and then we go up to North Carolina and I just got my license up in North Carolina as well so um I'm not sure I'll be traveling full time with him I don't know
0: So let's take that half a step further as we mentioned you are in the real estate business you have your license in both places both places talk about uh, for folks that are interested and and need your expertise how can they get in touch with you
3: um well like you said i'm on all social media's at at brenda kalk um facebook instagram and um twitter or x sorry <laughs> um whatever you want to call it and then i'm also on linkedin um but yeah anybody can get a hold of me message me and um like you said i kind of market myself as the uh, the caddy of real estate, and um, I want to help you find the right club. There's so many country clubs and and private golf courses in both communities, um, Jupiter and in Highlands, and and we all know it's a commitment. Now there's no real um, equity memberships, so you're making a commitment. You're not going to get much money back if you decide to leave. So it's very important to find the right club.
0: Well, Brenda, it's always a treat to get to spend time with you. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night and your time there with your mom to, to step away and be a part of the show. I hope I get that privilege again with you sometime soon.
3: You bet. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that.
0: Brenda, take care. All the best to you and your uh, you and Mark. I look forward to catching up with you guys soon.
3: You got it. Thanks. See you, Brenda. Uh-huh. Bye.
0: That is Brenda Calcavecchia, folks. Again, at Brenda Kalk on social media. She is just fantastic. I always enjoy getting to spend some time with her. This is the second time we've been blessed to have her as part of the show. She's got great stories and insights and perspectives that a lot of people don't have because she comes at it from so many different angles. She comes at it as a golf fan, then as a wife, and then as a caddy. So you get a lot of different perspectives from Brenda that I think is great for us to hear and then kind of piece together because she brings so much to the table every time we get an opportunity to talk to her. Mark is right. She is his better half. She is a lot of fun to follow on social media. Very funny. And I'll try to get her back on the show again soon. Coming up next is one of the wonderful guests I've had the privilege of having on this show. She's a great instructor and so wonderfully positive, And that's Megan Yankman. Before I get to Megan, and that is Andy Trainer. Before I get to Andy, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at two com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot com. Two Under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Sconee changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit sconey.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's sconey.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide.
3: Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the
4: latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: Now, back in next on the tee with me is one of the most delightful people and best instructors in our game, and that is Megan Yonkman. Megan is an LPGA Class A teaching professional. When you look back on Megan's playing and coaching career, you'll see that she captained her high school team to back-to-back state championships. She played college golf at Ohio State and then the University of Toledo, where she lettered her in 1996. She earned her Class A teaching professional status in 2001. In September of 2011, Megan was appointed the head coach for the state of Florida in the PGA Junior League Golf World Series held outside of Atlanta here at TPC Sugarloaf. She is a U.S. Kids Golf Top 50 teacher. She spent nine years at River Hills Country Club just outside of Tampa, Florida, as a director of instruction there. She moved over to Temple Terrace Golf and Country Club as their director of instruction for eight plus years. She is now the director of instruction at the Golf Channel Academy, led by Kelly Brook, at Beth Page State Park in New York. She was just named Junior Golf Leader of the Year, and I am so honored I get to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Megan, how are you?
2: Hey, Chris. Can you hear me? I can. <laughs> fantastic how are you
0: i'm fantastic how about you
2: i'm great speaking of awards congratulations on your podcast best podcast best sports podcast that's fantastic
0: thank you very much i really appreciate it but let's go right back to you the awards keep coming your way congratulations on being named junior golf leader of the year you got to be stoked about that
2: i i'm actually i'm just truly still shocked about it but i'm very happy um, it's, you know, it's been over a lifetime of a career so far and, and it just feels so good to, to be recognized by the LPGA and to be, you know, their person that they, that they awarded to. So it, it's just a very, very, uh, it's humbling, cr- incredibly.
0: <laughs> Megan, growing the game of golf is like a buzz phrase nowadays. Everybody's viewing it, but you're actually doing it. It must be rewarding for you to know that you are making the game better off than when you first started playing it.
2: Well, that's I guess what's a little bit funny about all this is because, you know, in 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 my day, we'll call it, when I had junior golf, I really didn't have junior golf. I didn't start till I was 14, and then there was that hustle to get yourself to play college golf, so obviously, you know that took a lot of work. And over those 3 years, it wasn't it wasn't going to clinics and having girl time and having this time and And, you know, being able to do all the arts and crafts and uh, playing games with other kids, that wasn't really on the agenda for me. So as soon as I became a teaching professional, it's ironic. That was the first thing I wanted to do because I saw pictures of kids that were having fun playing golf. Don't get me wrong. I had fun, but it was a different kind of fun. And I just wanted all the time to, to grow programs and to figure out what, what's going to work and what's not. And I was, you know, in my mid twenties at that point. And I got to, you know, as a member of the LPGA, you just have so many resources and those have grown over the years. As you can, as you can see just in general with product lines, you know, that are offered to teachers and, you know, U.S. kids golf came along and, you know, the first tee obviously was always there and. And all of these mechanisms, you know, to grow the game, if if you want to, you've got the resources to do so. So I guess I could say that junior golf, teaching junior golf was my first love. And it still is a very, very, very important part of my life now. And basically, I will always continue to support it and bring it along.
0: Megan, we as parents aren't always the most delightful people to deal with regarding our children playing sports, whether it's golf or something else. How do you set parental expectations so the kids can just go out and enjoy themselves and have fun and not have to deal with us and our expectations for what we think they should play like or what shot they should hit or any of those sorts of things? Because I, to me, that's got to be a killer for getting a kid to want to continue to play.
2: It really is. It 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 becomes a a real big hump to get over. It it mostly happens in the competitive realm. So, I, you know, there's really nothing that you could do about it as a coach, but number one, give the parent permission to be the parent again. You know, and and just in constantly informing them, you know, you can't necessarily tell them what their child needs, but in, you know, within the state of the learning environment, you can because you're the expert on that. So, really just talking to them and being very open with them about you know, being there for emotional support and, you know, what kinds of questions are safe to ask and so forth. What's acceptable, teaching them that their child needs to have their own feelings and emotions about it um, and letting them to have the space to do so. So competitive parents are a little bit different uh, than just your, than, than your parents that are just enrolling their kids, you know, for entertainment or another sport or, you know, something, some kind of activity that they want to um, be a part of. But I think also with that, there's a heavy responsibility that we have, and that is to definitely teach those parents how to be, you know, and what, what expectations of them are. Um, technically, we don't really allow parents at practice. They can stay, but they have to stay 75 yards away. Um, letting them know that it's not just about them watching their child and how their child will feel expectations, but it we needed a safe environment where the child can grow a relationship with the coach. Um, and also other children will see other parents watching and feel some expectations. We never know what's going on at home and so forth. So that's, that's something that's also very important, but the more that we can talk and inform the parents and when they call you, answer the phone, always answer the phone and listen first because their concerns are coming from all different realms of life. You know, you never know what experiences they've had in other sports, um, even with their parents growing up. So really listening to them and then providing them with really fundamental and stable feedback uh, will also comfort them.
0: You got to take your junior players out to play Bethpage Black. Since the course isn't for the faint of heart or hackers like me, how'd you get those kids prepared to go out there and play that course?
2: Well, our Black players are our highly competitive players. Typically, they're going to go out there Uh, when they're ready and they're shooting close to par on the other golf courses. Um, Some of them are, you know, 13 and 12 and 13 and say, my dream is to play black. So them getting out there and their parents, getting them a tee time for that is super supportive, but we tell them and that, you know, to have expectations and we give them, um, I tend to give them statistics, meaning how how much longer this course is than the regular courses that you play. Um, The hills and how you have to get in shape before you go play. Um, things like that to prepare them physically is is also very important because they're learning how to do hard things, right? So being prepared is always the best way and it builds confidence and then, you know, they can find joy whether they played, you know, whether they scored high or they scored low, they can still find joy walking up eighteen.
0: Megan, pace of play is a big thing in our game right now. And speaking of Beth Page Black, the famous sign outside the black course dating and it is an extremely difficult course which we recommend only for highly skilled golfers how often do you guys have to send a ranger out there because a hacker like me either doesn't believe the sign or we just want to see what it's really like and the course starts to get backed up because four or five holes in we're on pace to shoot 150
2: yeah pace of play does change throughout the day a lot of skilled golfers are out there um honestly, the state runs the course. They are the ones that that have the Rangers. And, you know, I know the starters are uber excellent at making sure everyone is on time. Even if there's a little bit of a gap, they don't just let a group just go. They make sure that they're teeing off right at their tee time. So they really do a great job at the starting point on number one of of setting the tone for how far apart the groups are. Um, I'm sure it gets a little tricky a couple of times I've played it's been six hours, and then a couple of times I've played it's been four and a half so it it you know it just it ebbs and flows based on the you know it could be the weather it could be uber hot out there um you know bad weather, windy conditions so forth that are driving scores up but um traditionally the 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 state takes care of all of that with the Rangers.
0: Speaking of the state, and golf isn't the most inexpensive game to go play. Beth Page is a part of the New York State Park System. Is the state stepping in to help make the game more accessible to whether it's junior players and the kids that you get to spend time with or the local residents within the state?
2: Absolutely. Well, first of all, we belong, well, any of our junior golfers and parents can belong to something called Youth on Course. I think that's a pretty national initiative. It's youthoncourse.org. Uh, I think it's, right now it's at $15 for a membership and your child gets to play thousands of courses for $5. It's fantastic. Wow. And Bethpage is also a participant in that program. So they've done an excellent job there providing accessibility to their courses for junior golfers that have that membership. Um Secondly, the state has been wonderful. Uh When it comes to the Bethpage being a state park, you know, we have five courses. And it's really important for our junior program to grow. And that was something that they were interested in with the management group that's in there now, which uh, Kelly Brooke has put together um, and they're managing the golf department. And that was one of the keys is that she was one of the best bringing in juniors and bringing families to the game of golf. Um, and that was that was what they were very interested in. So they do provide us with the resources, the tee times. We have arrangements with them and, you know, pretty much by February. Um, I have the entire tee time log for the entire season until November finished. And it's, and then we try, we get that approved by the state and then we're good. So.
0: Megan, how about getting kids the equipment that they need for those of us who would love to get our children started in the game of golf? Do you know, is there a good way to get them the equipment they need without breaking the bank?
2: There is, um. First of all, you definitely want to get with U.S. Kids Golf. I know that I've been honored by them as a teacher. Um, however, I've been a fan of them just as a teacher for years. Uh, their clubs are 25% lighter. They go by height, um, and the amount of clubs that they'll put in a bag for a junior. It comes with the whole bag, the putter, driver, fairway wood, um, you know, your hybrid and an iron or two. And then as you develop, you can actually go from their ultralight series to their tour series. And that tour series right there is for more competitive junior golfers. They get heavier. They're offered in steel and graphite. Um, and you can kind of tailor your bag to what you need. There's many more wedges offered in that, in that, in those sets. And as they grow and develop, they can, they can actually get clubs that are fitted for them. I do like the pings. I love the collies. I mean, I think that they're great, but there's just, U.S. Kids has every single height difference all the way up until they're ready to be out of a junior club, which would be the typical ladies' size club.
0: We don't hear an awful lot about the other courses out there at Bethpage. You got the red, the blue, the green and yellow courses. Talk about the layouts that those have.
2: I would say that yellow is the most family friendly course. Uh, then it comes the blue. The blue is Similar to yellow, but it's very undulated. So it's it's super fun. So see yellow. Yellow's fun. But the blue actually gets super elevated, and if you're if you're walking, it's gonna be a little bit harder of a walk. The green course is a staple, it's gorgeous. It takes you across the street, it takes you around some of the holes of black. So that's also a, a great course. That would be probably the third toughest. Um black and red, I can't Say that red is exactly similar to black, but the biggest difference is on the red, it's, it's a, it's a very, very competitive course. Um, it's not as long as the black, but it's very competitive. And on the red, you can take a cart. So those that really can't play black anymore can enjoy the rounds on red, a bunch of the hurricane tour for junior golfers, a bunch of the met PGA tour, a bunch of the tournaments that come through play the red. So that's a more competitive course over there
0: so of the courses available to play, which one's your favorite?
2: I mean, I love yellow <laughs> I <don't> <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> I, remembering that I don't play golf for a living anymore. I enjoy a yellow course just because it's a it's a great walk, it's a very comfortable day. um, I love the red that's that's gonna be my favorite course red uh black course I mean, I can love it, but it just doesn't love me. And, you know, if red can have a chance to love me a couple times a year, I'm good with that. So that red course is probably my favorite.
0: We've got the Ryder Cup set to come back to the black course in 2025. Outside of modifications that the next captain is going to want, is the course always ready to host an event like that? Or will preparation start, you know, pretty soon for getting to host an event of that magnitude?
2: Well, they've already started. For sure they're having meetings, they're coming to the property, they're doing a lot of evaluations. Every one of the tournaments brings in some changes. Um I know that they moved a few bunkers and things like that for the PGA Championship in 2019. Obviously the the property itself, the entire property has to be transformed for such an elaborate event like that. Um with the Ryder Cup, you know, there's there's less players, but there's more fans. So that's going to be, you know, the real estate using utilizing the real estate to bring in the people is, is probably the biggest thing. But their uh, boots are on the ground. They're walking around they're, you know, spending a couple days here and there. Um, but no, nothing's full time yet to aid in those preparations.
0: Megan, the U.S. Ryder Cup team and the U.S. Solheim Cup team, they both came home empty handed this year. We haven't won either one of those events very often over the mm-hmm. last. Ten or twenty years. What are your thoughts? Why are the European teams so much better than we are at those events,
2: <laughs> especially on their home turf? <laughs> um, you know, I think it ebbs and flows. I think that it depends on the players. I can't say that that there's uh, more, you know, a bigger level of play within the European teams. I think there are uh, there sometimes, but they're all on a level, com- you know, playing field. I'm, you know, I'm most interested in how is it going to be when you're in New York? Because there was a lot of taunting there over, over the other side of the pond. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if they were going to come anywhere and they come back to New York our New York fans are going to be pretty strong and, and really loud. So we're excited about it.
0: Megan, the masters is my favorite sporting event period. I saw your post on your Instagram page earlier this year of your, masters tumbler and the plastic cups that for those of us who get to go there we never throw those things away (laughs) what what are some of your favorite experiences being at augusta national
2: first the people it is and and it's you know what not it's not just who these people are it's people in general without phones that is my absolute favorite it takes me back to the day before we had cell phones and you were golfing And that was all you were doing. If you were in an environment, you were paying attention and that's all you were doing. So I will say that that's my number one favorite experience when I'm standing amongst the crowd, because guess who's talking to each other? Everyone is talking (laughs) to each other. They're, you know, they're sharing experiences. They're telling you, you know, you're sharing why you're there or how did you get your ticket or how many years have you come? Just anything to talk about masters. You're, standing in a crowd that wants to talk and be in the presence number two the food of course the food
0: yes the food is
2: amazing it's so traditional you can eat it all day you pile in i don't know about anyone else but you pile in about six sandwiches for the drive home you know you can you go up to the counter and the register and they're really similar fees to what it was over the years um it's just it's they want you to eat they want you to enjoy the pimento sandwiches they want you to you know get get yourself a beer they want you to just enjoy everything masters when it comes to food and it's it's absolutely wonderful and of course the ground it's gives me that feeling when i get to Bethpage. page i mean you can't compare the two obviously gust is augusta but you know obviously Bethpage page is kind of my home now so when i walk on those bricks i feel that little tingly sensation in the beginning of every season When I get to the master's, I I think I share it with everybody. You just feel that inside. There's nothing like it.
0: No, there is not. Nope. Megan, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you continue to do, whether they're following you online or it's on social media?
2: Well, I would love everybody to um, get into Instagram. It's Megan underscore Youngman LPGA professional. You'll find it. Just type in my name. And and you'll find me in there. That would be the most fun. Uh, Facebook as well. I have a professional page on there. Just go ahead and type that in as well. Megan Youngman LPGA. And that would be a great place for us to share experiences. You can send me messages and let me know where you're golfing from. um, What are some things that that you love about golf? And we can share some stories. So that would be wonderful.
0: Megan, you are wonderful. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show again tonight. I always enjoy getting to spend some time with you. You're absolutely one of my favorites. You're so delightful to be around and you're so positive. And everything about what you do is going out there and growing the game. And you absolutely deserved and earned the recognition of being the leader of the year. So thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Chris. I enjoy it. I enjoy being with you. Thank you so much.
0: Take care, Megan. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. That is Megan Yonkman. Again, at Megan underscore Yonkman LPGA is where you can find her on social media. And like I said at the top, a more delightful person you will not find. And she is just so wonderful for our game. You know, growing the game is something everybody throws out there nowadays. We hear it all the time. Well, this is a young lady who is out there doing exactly that. Being a junior golf instructor, being a top 50 junior teacher, and just being a wonderful human being on top of all of that. You marry all of that together, and you've got a winner for somebody that is absolutely growing the game and attracting more people to it. And uh, she's just, like, like, like I say, one of the great people you get to meet in this game. And hopefully we get the privilege of spending a little more time with her, hopefully very soon. Coming up next is a great lady doing wonderful things through her adaptive golf program, and that's Gianna Rojas. Before I get to Gianna, I want to remind you about our friends over at Squares Golf. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed bolt at squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low-country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strantz designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. Now making her next on the tee debut with me is Gianna Rojas. She is the founder and president at Adaptive Golfers. You can find her organization online at AdaptiveGolfers.org. She is on a mission to empower individuals with physical, cognitive, sensory, health, and age-related challenges to play golf and use the game as a therapeutic and rehabilitative tool and change the way people think about golfers who are differently abled, not disabled, differently abled. Gianna travels the country giving keynote speeches and doing workshops and seminars on adaptive golf. She teaches adaptive golf swing techniques. She was born without fingers on her left hand and could probably still take most of us out on the golf course, and I'm delighted I get to have her with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Gianna, thanks for coming on the show.
4: Oh, hello, sir. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your show.
0: I appreciate that very much. So, Gianna, you are an amazing lady out there doing incredible things. You've got incredible talent. Let's go back to the beginning. As a young girl born without fingers on your left hand, How did golf become a game you wanted to play?
4: Well, it definitely wasn't when I was a young girl, I was an old lady by the time I figured out what I could do to try to get out and play golf. Um, Well, I was born with no fingers on my left hand. My mother had taken a pill called thalidomide and thalidomide was given to mothers for morning sickness and sleeplessness in the late fifties, early sixties. So thus the not young girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, to make make my story uh, short here, um, dad was military, just like every other military family did. We moved every two years. So I was always a new kid and always a new kid that was different in a society that was not quite as understanding and in, intuitive about what uh, adaptive golf is, about adaptive people, not necessarily golf in general. Um, I don't like using the word disabled. We're not disabled anything. We're not disordered. Um, I I like to look at it that we're differently abled. Well, I was the epitome of being different. Um, I got my butt kicked every day. <laughs> I got called names. I got locked in lockers. Um, I got left out. I didn't get asked to the dance. My parents didn't push me out into sports, which I I, I encourage anyone who is a parent listening of any child of any ability getting them into some sort of sports like golf is just an, an amazing opportunity and something I feel I missed. So fast forward, I met a man who has now been my husband for 38 years. Congrats. Um, and it is all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> I blame him because he, his friends, and his friend's wives were playing every Saturday and Sunday morning, just like many golfers do. Showing up at the club at eight o'clock in the morning and getting out for their tea time. When they get to the 15th hole, sometimes they call me to come up and have lunch. And I did. They would sit around and talk about their morning round like all golfers do. I didn't have much to contribute, but at least I was there. And then sometimes they would go back out and I would go back home. He went out without his wife when everybody else had their wives with them. And I felt like I was not being included so we came home one day and i said all right if i can change a running baby's diaper down the hallway mid-run i think i can figure out golf so how can we do it i didn't ask can i i said how so that afforded us the trial and error and one of the things that we discovered during our time of trying to just get someplace to start because if you think about it when you are at a beginner the first thing you're going to teach them is gripping one hand goes here, the other hand goes here, but I don't have another hand. And we didn't encounter anyone that could say, hey, I've taught somebody that's one-handed before. I'm sure that I just did not find them because it took a lot of digging um, to find resources and find information. So we decided we were going to do something about it. Um, once I got my swing and I found that I could hit a ball, we, um, we made a video and thought, well, you know what? If everybody can put a bucket of ice on their head for the ALF, ALS bucket challenge and, and it can go viral, why wouldn't a one-handed lady golfer go viral? Thus, that's where the name came from. Um, so we kind of stuck that as our personal brand. And now I use my ability to play golf to try to help individuals who think that Maybe they can't or maybe they haven't been invited. Um, So we we are really full circle trying to help fill that gap um, between individuals who have the challenges and an industry who desperately wants to serve them. They just don't know how yet.
0: So you said once you got your swing, how did you get your swing?
4: A lot of trial, a lot of error, mostly error. (laughs) It was just one day it just clicked. Um, I had spoken, um, I, I had the opportunity to cross paths with uh at the golf shows with uh Michael Breed and Hank Haney and um Chichi Rodriguez was another one. And we had just asked simply, what do you think? Should I go righty or should I go lefty? Um they I've been told if I went lefty, I would have a better turn, I would probably have more distance, but not as much control. And as me going as a righty, which is what I, I wound up doing. um, it just clicked. And then once it clicked, I mean, it was about two or three years. Um, during that time though, I forged so many relationships and just this identity started growing in me. Um, I think I found my purpose. It's, it's, I'm the, I'm the concierge. I'm the messenger between the individuals who actually have the challenges and an industry who yet is to understand them. And we're bridging that gap.
0: So talk about that. Talk about bridging the gap and wanting to give back and, and help others who are dealing with whatever physical or emotional challenges that they may have.
4: Well, what we've done um, this past few, uh, I guess it's going to be about a year now. Um, we have um, put together an adaptive golf for player development. Now, this is a whole series of 16 lessons. Um, each lesson will talk about, uh, different characteristics of each of the individuals that you commonly may see during your, your, your career. This goes out to golf professionals, but not just the golf professionals on and off the course, behind the house, out on the course. What kind of modifications Are required by ADA. Um, you know, those are, those are mandates that were put, put down through ADA back in 2008 that aren't really enforced. And it's getting to the point where I think we can help clubs and facilities make their courses just with some minor changes. Doesn't have to be any undue hardship. Um, and, and help them try to bring more golfers to their facilities and their programs. Um, we'll teach about best practices, how to create safe environments. Um, we'll also give the continuing education credits uh, for the course, so it is an accredited course. And it will help you as the professional reimage and reshape and redefine what you think may be barriers and limitations for golfers with disabilities. And we want to help them understand what the value is that the individuals like myself, golfers with disabilities, can bring to the industry, to their clubs, to their facilities, even to their career. And I will tell you, it will have a profound effect on your life.
0: So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the profound impact, because for for folks that are struggling with self-identity kind of issues and self-esteem and that sort of thing. Talk about the positive, profound impact that the game of golf can have on one There
4: is this i guess extra little extra unit of conviction that we receive as as golfers above golfers that may not have disabilities. Is that social benefit? It's kind of why we all play golf anyways. Um, the ball in the hole don't care if you roll it with your nose or even it if it gets there. And and golf is is achievable. A golf is something that anyone of any ability can do if they're invited and if they're shown how to. Now there's a, a whole pathway for therapy, um, using golf as a therapeutic activity to help with your physical benefits that most of us are aware of already. You know, it helps with hand-eye coordination, helps it helps with the leisure lifestyle, helps with heart rate. Helps blood flow, um, and it's enough of a small enough motions that can get built upon each other that can actually help someone heal. Um, So, to that, as the person, that's the value that the golfer with the disability has. But there's also a value of this to the facility or the golf program or club if you have individuals that have injuries or illness it's not just disability as most people would think of because of what the word kind of stigma has but it's more about um i mean i have here's my list ready
0: (laughs) yes please Uh,
4: i gotta take a big breath here i have two total knee replacements after a bunch of surgeries one in 2008 the other one in 2011 2018 i had my hip replaced I have scoliosis on my back in three places. I dislocated my left shoulder, broke uh, dislocated my right elbow, ripped the ligaments in my left thumb on my hand, good hand, and also broke my hand again uh, out another time on the same, on my good hand. Um, sorry to say that it's a good hand, but it's the one that does all the work. <laughs> um, so my having no fingers on my left hand is the least of my worries. Wow. And so it's for anyone. If you have an ailing and aging population in your members um, and they think that they're not able to get back out there, there's all these amazing resources and there's these amazing carts, things like solo rider car, car, golf carts that that swivel and tilt you out and get you out on the golf course. And having those participants be able to come and bring their members and their families and their friends, I mean... If you have someone who has an injury and is taken away, golf is is taken away from them. There's a, there's also a cognitive stress that happens as well because we identify as golfers. So I identify as a golfer. I'm a golfer, a female golfer that has a disability, but I'm a golfer first.
0: So let's take that a half a step further, Gianna, for okay. those of us that have, have played the game for years. And suddenly, to your point, it is taken away from us for whatever yeah. thing happened to us. Mm-hmm. The benefits of relearning the game in a different way, I have to imagine, has positive impacts on our psyche and our self-esteem again because we are able to get back out there. We're able to get back out with our friends. You talked about the social aspect.
4: Yes. to talk yeah.
0: about relearning the game in a different way and how important that is to get back out there.
4: The hardest part of that is letting go of the old way and finding a different way. It's maybe you may need to lighten up your equipment and have a a lighter gram shaft and it's got a little whip at the end of the bottom as opposed to what you used to play, you know, steel shafts and you want them that way. They might be too heavy. You may have to lighten your clubs up, Um, maybe change your clubs out. There are some clubs, uh, there's a putter called Biomech that has actually got a 13 degree angle on the hostel. So that while you're in that solo rider cart in a seated position, you can putt your ball with a flat lie angle because of that 13 degree angle on the hustle. There is a hole in the middle of it so that you can pick the ball up because you can't get out of your chair to go get the ball. There's things that go up on the end of the club and get them at the PGA Tour Superstore or anywhere um, that will help you get the suction and get the ball out of the hole. There's things that tools that could go at the end of the club that will help you tee your ball. And you've never gotten out of your cart.
0: So you're talking about equipment for folks that want to get back involved. And and now they know they've got to do all the things you just talked about by getting different different equipment and things of that nature. How can we help get equipment into the hands of those who need it?
4: It's kind of a journey um, because. Every single golfer is unique. And when we look at the golf coming from the ability out, it would be the person's ability out that would decide on what that equipment would be, as opposed to putting golf in us and giving us three selections of three different kinds of drivers or, you know, that we're, that's kind of the, the shift that we're hoping that this will help create. So there, I am also the uh, Women's Adaptive Ambassador for Ping. And our buddies over at Ping, uh, the the engineering crew, they want us to send them the hardest kind of situations that we can possibly think of. So I actually made a phone call to them uh, this past week. Um, as you may know, I was out at the Call Me Able Foundation's uh, first inaugural clinic uh, for kids with disabilities in the El Paso area. Um, not a place where they have a lot of services, so this is a new. New foundation. One of the gentlemen had both hands amputated and wanted to learn how to play golf. And so I picked up the phone, called my buddies over at Ping, and uh, they sent us a long shaft. The gentleman happens to be (laughs) 6'1. And you want to talk about how important fitting is? Um, Long shaft has a paddle on the end of the shaft where the grip normally would be so that he's able to put that paddle up underneath his his armpit and squeeze. Then he takes the the two places where his amputations begin. He has, I don't think he even had his wrists. So he doesn't, he just has, they were amputated above the wrist. There's a pad that goes down the middle. So the shaft is is probably 60, almost 60 inches long. I know that he was taller than I was. <laughs> and he's able to squeeze on that that grip part With the pad up underneath his, the paddle up underneath his arm, move his, swing his torso to swing the club. That's amazing. So it can get really creative. Bring us anything you can possibly think of. Give us any situation that you may have found yourself in, whether it's you are, or survived a stroke and, and maybe has lost, you know, part of the use on, on usually the left side. Um, we'll, we'll work with you to get you. We had a, had a, had a gentleman that we actually just graduated. <laughs> he's back out playing golf with his buddies. Took him about That's... a year and a half to get himself back, but he's back out playing golf with his buddies after surviving the stroke.
0: That's awesome.
4: So we want to keep him out there. Anything we can motion is lotion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the the clinic there in, in El Paso. We've got the texas adaptive golf championship going on right now in galveston
4: in, i am here now i drove Is that right? i flew from el paso to houston this morning got from houston got the rent a car drove all the way down to galveston and you got the texas adaptive golf open happening right now uh well it's evening so today right. we play again they go again tomorrow now I wasn't able to play because I had committed myself already, but I came out here to support my, my, my other adaptive athletes. And this is a world ranked, um, tournament. Now I'm not sure if you or your listeners are aware the USGA added adaptive golf to their schedule, to their championship schedule. So last year was the first inaugural. They had it again this year in July. Um, and every year now, there will be an adaptive golf championship which the USGA runs. Adaptive golf is very, very big over in Europe with the European Disabled Golf Association. Um, they now have succeeded in getting some of our adaptive world rank athletes, and I say world rank meaning not just here in the U.S. but globally. They're playing alongside the DP World Tour players. You may have heard of people like Kip Popper and, and and Curtis Berkeley. Yes, um, these guys and gals, we're out there because I think the biggest barrier that we have faced is lack of exposure. And you're you're helping us get that exposure out there today, so we we do all appreciate that. Um, but the lack of exposure does it, If we can we can more normalize seeing somebody in a wheelchair. Out on the golf course. It's okay. So he's playing, he's a golfer. Right.
3: <laughs>
4: That's the way we should be looking at him. The best thing you can do is when you come to something like this and you go out to the clubhouse and you see all the wheelchairs lined up empty because they're out on the course, those chairs are waiting for them when they come
0: back. That's wonderful. Next week is the California Blind and Disabled Golf Classic in California. Like I said, just a little bit north of Las Cruces. Is that yep. where you're headed next?
4: I'm not going to make that one. I've got to catch up with, uh, we've got, we're about to launch the course. Um, uh, just going back to that for a moment, we're, we're expecting to have, uh, start getting our feedback groups together this October, um, more towards the end of the month. Uh, and then we're also launch, actually, we just launched the Adaptive Golf Channel, which you can find on wingding.tv. And we also launched Adaptive Golf Hers, which is a campaign with the LPGA, to invite her, invite a buddy, invite uh, a friend who might not be thinking she can come out and play. Um, and we're working to get this uh, Adaptive Golf Player Development Program out there to all of the instructors, um, teachers, schools, anywhere. Um, this way, we'll, we don't have an industry ready for us yet, is what I'm saying.
0: Jana, just a couple more before I let you go. But talk about the Call Me Able Foundation and being a part of the their new adaptive golf experience.
4: Well, I am thrilled to death. Uh, I got to see the um, I got to see a Paso through the eyes and hearts of the host, B. Lynch, and her husband Joseph. Um, they put together a fundraising outing, and they wanted to make sure that they they have some program uh it, so that we can help them fund that program now i'm training some of their uh contacts that we're going to be training them to for this adaptive golfer player development because then they're all going to run eight to, to eight to twelve week programs they're still in the you know infancy stages of this the deciding on how this will work but the idea is that we want to train as many of the golf professionals and the rehabilitative specialists and get them up to speed so that they can start running reoccurring programs, not a one-off. I mean, the, the clinic as an introduction was a one-off, um, but we we're going to start programming, and that—that's the most important part of all of this. Is no matter where, whether it's El Paso or, or um, I'm in Georgia, I'm in El Paso, I'm in South Carolina. It's like catching a tiger by the tail. <laughs> <laughs> But I am the messenger. I am just the messenger. I'm just trying to spread as many seeds of this as I can and help people get that, that, get those programs up and running because we need to, we need to. I also go and speak at the Abilities Expos where I'm talking to the individuals who have the challenges. And I can introduce golf to them, but I can't do it all by myself. And we need to have places where we can send individuals to. And there's there's already programs running all over the country. We just need more of them.
0: You've got a great friend, Sarah Beth, who is on the Nike Golf Adaptive team. Talk about getting to team up with her.
4: I haven't had the opportunity to play golf with her yet, but I've played in outings where she has as well. Um, You know, but but for me, um, I am supporting. mostly all, if not all, of the organizations that are out there. You've got the PGA HOPE for veterans. You've got the Salute Military Golf, and you've got the Veterans Golf Association. Um, I'm supporting with, I'm on the ambassador for the National Alliance of Accessible Golf. Make golf your thing. Um, I am out there with the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. I'm out there with the United States Disabled Golf Association. I'm the representative for the European Disabled Golf Association. Uh, I'm the U.S. Women's Ambassador for that um, with the Irish Golf Board, the Scottish in golf and curling guys. Um, you know, it's global. It, it's global.
0: Gianna, before I let you go, let our listeners know again, how can they get more information about your adaptive golf organization and also follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media?
4: Well, I could tell you I am very Google, <laughs> if that's a word um you can google one-handed lady golfer and i certainly will leave a trail of google pages um you can also go to adaptivegolfers.org and on there you'll find those resources links you'll find um we're starting to build out an event section where we can pull all of these amazing world ranked events and outings and all this stuff together under clinics and under you know outings and playing opportunities um So adaptivegolfers.org, Google one-handed lady golfer, and you can certainly reach out to me personally, gianna at adaptivegolfers.org. Well,
0: Gianna, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and share your stories. The things you are doing are just absolutely wonderful, and you're just a wonderful individual on top of that. I'm so glad I got to meet you and got to have you as part of the show I hope you'll continue to come back and update us on the things that you're doing and let everybody know how they can get involved.
4: Absolutely. And if you happen to be at the PGA Merchandise Show this year in January, come on by the booth. We're going to blindfold you and let you hit golf balls.
0: Ah, I look forward to that. Thank you. I will definitely be there. So I look forward (laughs) to meeting you there.
4: And anybody else, come on by and say hi to us.
0: Jana, thank you so much for your time. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up with you again soon.
4: Yes, sir. Stump bump,
0: (laughs) (laughs) y'all. There you go. That is the great Gianna Rojas. And Gianna is uh, doing so many wonderful things. I can't thank her enough for being a part of tonight's show and informing us about all the things that are going on around Adaptive Golf and the programs that she has and how folks can get involved and the benefits of whether you you play the game and you stop because something happened, to go back out and relearn the game a different way and or if you've never learned how to play don't be discouraged from taking it up just like her own personal story it is a great game and there are ways to get you out there find the organizations go through her to get you know get a way to get out there whether it's the equipment that you need the golf course that you need or whatever it is the encouragement and the inspiration to go play she is the person to go reach out to again it's adaptivegolfers.org so go out there, Google her. Like she said, you'll find her, uh, whether you, you're looking up for her, uh, her, her organization or just through her name. She's going to get you out there. She's going to get you what you need. The equipment that those stories about the equipment that the manufacturers are out there trying to figure out a way to get a golf club in your hands. Let them, let them get a golf club in your hands. Go out there with your friends and enjoy the game of golf just beyond you know, being just the social aspect of it. So we're not afraid to get out there and and just enjoy mother nature and enjoy being social with your friends and being outside and playing this great game. Please go do it. Again, adaptivegolfers.org is her site and Gianna Rojas is her name. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to four great women, Susie Whaley, Brenda Kalkovecchia, Megan Yankman, and Gianna Rojas for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, is going to be back with us. Another great lady in our game, Debbie O'Connell, will be here as well. McGregor and Ram Golf CEO Simon Millington will make his next on the tee debut, as will European Legends Tour player Clark Dennis. He'll be joining me as well. We'll also get a visit from Power to Golf founder, Steve Fluke. So it's going to be a really fun show, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on triblive.com in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, available to everybody. Just go on triblive.com, click on sports and then Podcast. You'll also find the show available free on great sites like Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audioboom, and Player.fm. And as always, my thanks to the folks at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Go out and download their free app and stream your favorite podcast on your favorite device. But most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week. Hit him straight, my friend.